What is going on, everybody? That is right. We are back. Happy New Year. Happy 2016. It is a new year. We are back. I didn't really go anywhere. I wish I could say, hey, I I hiked the Appalachian Trail. I I went to Asia. I uh, saw the pyramids in Egypt. No, I did not do any of that. I sat on my behind and I've been watching college football for the last four months. And that is probably the number one reason why we haven't had a podcast is because of college football. So you can blame that. But like I said, it's a happy new year. That signifies a new year, but also signifies uh, for me kind of happily the end of college football season because I worked actually pretty hard uh, this college football season. And maybe I'll talk about what I've been doing. I mean, it's watching football. It's, it's hard to call that work. But um, I did quite a bit of that. So we'll save that. Happy New Year. I've got a small list of topics here. I had another list. I don't know what the heck. I, I think I wrote it down. That was the problem. Is Normally I put it in my iPad. But I think my other iPad broke at the time. And, uh, or had a, you know, the screens all cracked on it. And, uh, so I wrote it down and then, so it's been three or four months probably since I've been writing stuff down on it and I lost it, of course. So some of this might be off memory. Some of this might, uh, just come to me, but quite honestly, it hasn't been that eventful of a time since I've been away. I think, uh, it's been kind of the status quo or the, um, you know, you're on a treadmill, the speed or the incline hasn't been increased in the industry, probably hasn't been declined or pulled back any or much in the industry either. But uh, certainly some things that we'll discuss on today's program. First thing is first. Um, let's run down some of the topics. We're going to talk a little bit about checking my cards. We'll talk about, um, some of the buying and strategies, buying and selling strategies that I've been experimenting with, that my brother has been experimenting with, and, uh, just some of the, some of the different ways we've been buying and selling cards recently, just because maybe through talking on the podcast and maybe doing videos, uh, the strategy of buying lower end cards, while it still certainly works and certainly one I'm still partaking in it, I, I don't know if it's as uh, effective when a lot of other people are doing it. And that's OK. I don't really I'm not really I don't mind that. Um, and I don't know if that's really the reason, but it just seems like the lower end card market has has uh, slowed down maybe a little bit or it's over. It's certainly oversaturated already. And then it might, um, you know, there's just a lot of cards that aren't selling for a lot of money these days. And that's something we can talk about kind of on a broader perspective, maybe on today's show, but certainly at a, in another time. But um, I'll talk about a little bit of buying. I'll give you a portfolio update too. We're kind of year end. I think I deposited $100 in that account, started a second account on Check On My Cards, deposited 100 And I kind of want to see like, you know, after a year or after six months and stuff where I'm at, I might be, I mean, I'm not sitting there charting it like my, my stock portfolio, but uh, certainly it's something that I'll, I'll keep track of. So, um, talk about that. They settled with Beckett 
two. Uh, check out my cards. I think had some kind of lawsuit or something going on. Um, I don't know the details of all that, but um, <laughs> chances are, check out my cards. Lawyers were better than Beckett's. Uh, that were better paid than Beckett's. Uh, most of the time, from my experience in the legal system, if you got good lawyers, as we all saw uh, with O.J. Simpson, you can get off of anything. I'll talk a little bit about Panini. I don't know if this came to fruition. I haven't been following the release dates uh, very closely. But as usual, a lot of stuff gets like pushed back into the end of the year. And I think some of that has to do with you, you tend to see a lot of products grouped like in the 12th month. And then I think often in the sixth month, the end of the sixth month. Or the end of the fifth month, maybe one of those, um, you have kind of like this jam of products. It seems like from all the manufacturers, and I think because they pay the NFL PA, they don't every pack you buy at Target, they don't ship the uh, you know the MLB PA their fourteen cents that they just made or whatever. Obviously, um, it all gets kind of lumped together. And then, I mean, I don't know who who double checks this. I don't know if, you know, it's just the word of tops saying, hey, we had this many sales and this is how much money we owe you. I don't know if it's like that or not. Um, I'm sure you can find that out. But um, basically, the money gets sent over, I believe, in two lump sums twice a year. Or it might be four times a year. I don't really know. But that's typically why you see these big jams of products down the end because it's like oh i've guaranteed remember panini and tops to secure these exclusive license have guaranteed money to the organizations regardless of sales remember regardless of sales they've guaranteed money so um regardless not only of sales but of free cash or profit uh, uh, off sales so yeah you could have sales and sell a, t- a million uh, million items, but if your back office is all messed up or if you have a couple mistakes or recalls or whatever it might be, all of a sudden you didn't make no profit, but you still got to pay the MLB. So it's a tough um, position certainly to be in, and uh, I think that's why you see kind of these products kind of get pushed back. So it really kind of puts the burden and puts a lot of pressure on obviously like sports card shops and certainly like breakers and stuff because it just becomes so hard and such a grind to keep up with the day to day and every day it's a new product every week it's something new every uh you know baseball football basketball it's just bang 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 and there's not a lot kind of separating it you know what i mean like there's not a lot that separates, um, you know, tops might be a little bit different, might have a little bit more separation in their products, but outside of the price point, Panini, the difference between Crown Royale and Gridiron Kings is negligible. You know what I mean? So um, outside of like what, you know, their $100 boxes all tend to be about the same or $200 boxes all tend to be about the same. Whereas Tops sometimes, and maybe with some of the, some of the other companies, it seems like you can sometimes get at least a different experience for your money. 
with tops, I can I can get a varying experience for like about seventy five dollars a box. Or if you want to look at it on the pack level, you can get a somewhat varying experience with tops at, at the three to five to six dollar a pack level, depending on what you're looking for, what kind of cards. If you're looking for rookies, you're looking for veterans, you're looking for lots of cards, you're looking for just um, you know a small amount of cards. So it's an interesting time in the hobby. Um, I think we're at a time where the exclusive licenses have really are now so ingrained and have really impacted the hobby. I don't want to say negatively because I, I don't know the alternative to the exclusive license might have been negative too. The, you know, we might have been like, wow, if if they let everybody have a license and we get rolled by a, a, like a press pass and we get rolled by all these different little startup companies that come along and, and go away, Heroes of Sports and all these other companies happen to get licensed and then they roll their customers – then um, uh, maybe the exclusive license uh, or at least being very picky about who gets licenses might actually be a good thing because there's there are a lot of shadiness, a lot of crooks. We've seen very questionable, uh, you know, marketing tactics from like Prospect Rush, like who won the Chris Bryant card? Like, did that did that happen? You know what I mean? And there's there's obviously a long track record of people doing somewhat questionable to downright at, at like, you know, you might be able to call it like deceiving or fraudulent marketing tactics. So it might be better that we have exclusive license, but they certainly, you know, every action has like a, a, a negative reaction or whatever uh, Einstein's or whoever's theory that was. And it's certainly the case in sports cards. The exclusive license might have positively impacted some areas of the hobby and maybe the financials of certain companies. Um, but it certainly has, has impacted things negatively as well. And I think not only the lack of competition but the lack of interest one company can generate for baseball cards or basketball cards or football cards or whatever trading cards it is is not that great you know what i mean there's not a lot of interest panini can do there's only so much marketing panini can do they basically have like one guy or two guys, you know, a couple guys. And think about it. If that was your job, you know, you'd show up to work at eight in the morning and you do everything you can to write a blog about Panini, tweet about this, you know, tweet some photos about this, try to answer some questions to some customers about this. But when five o'clock hits or six o'clock hits, when you go home, you hit the light switch and you turn off the computer and you go home. So there's only so much one company can do there were exclusive licenses we could have three or four decently run companies putting marketing into things and kind of competing on that level i don't think it's necessarily that the cards would be that much better or you'd get that much value out of the sets because each company has to make money 
And I think where we're at with cards is is how they've decided how they're going to make money. They're going to put uh, you know a couple dollars worth of cards from a retail value perspective in a product and they're going to they're going to mark it up, they're going to sell it to you for you know a hundred times that or, or 50 times that. And that's kind of what they're doing. So I, I don't think if we had upper deck, had a baseball license and Panini and tops, I don't necessarily think that the cards themselves or that the sets would all be that much better. I think though that the interest and the marketing and kind of the attention might make those make sets seem like they're better um, than they do now because now you just have one company kind of pumping a product down your throat and you either take it or you, you leave it and there's no competition there's no back and forth there's no there's no picking one or the other um really it's a yes or no question when it's just one company so um we'll see what happens we'll see what evolves uh from that but um give you a little update on uh check out my cards i have see if i can bring this up awesome radio while i'm clicking through i can't really see that well because i got this big um i gotta raise the microphone up so i've got like it on a box so it's kind of hard to see. I'm sure that is enthralling as well. Um, I have $67.99. So I have $68 out of the 100. I have 1,006 cards in my inventory. I have an asking price of $397 on there. So, hey, I could blow this out and at like 90% off and actually have my $100 and actually have the cards that I bought. Um I just bought a like 80 Michael Jordan cards for two cents each. So there are good. Now what I tend to be doing with the lower end is waiting for those great deals. Like, I don't know if this guy made a mistake or what happened, but, or he just didn't want the cards anymore, but some upper deck Jordans and everything. Michael Jordan is like, you know, it's like a quarter, you know, it's guaranteed almost like a quarter. A lot of his cards are. And, uh, this card sells in that thirty to forty cent range. It looks like so for getting it for two cents, I could I could blow it out for twenty cents, and they'd all be gone already. But um, I think I'm going to slowly trickle them out at least um, for the time being. Um, so I'm kind of picking my spots with the lower end stuff. It might be need to be serial numbered. Might need to be a name player. Might need need to be these special situations. Like for some reason, some guy is just basically giving away Michael Jordan cards. Um, which doesn't happen very often, believe me. Um, and uh, the other thing I've been doing, and I might talk about this in a little bit because I don't know if I want to go into the NBA. I don't know if we have a ton of NBA listeners. Um, not that it really matters. I don't really care. Um, but not that I don't care about the listeners, but I, I will talk about, since we'll ha- we'll keep having shows, I'll end up talking about what I want anyways. But... I'll talk about some NBA rookies or some NBA, not, not all of them are rookies. Some of these guys are, are fourth, fifth year in the league. But have we seen, as we've seen in the NBA, these kids come in and they're so young, they're 18, 19, they're, they only had one year of college 
And there's a lot of high-level talent in the NBA right now, especially, you know, on each team has at least two or three, four guys sometimes that are extremely high-level caliber player that a 19, 20-year-old is just not going to be able to compete against at least his first couple years in the league. On a on a night and I mean, one play, you might dunk over him. But on a night-to-night basis, those guys don't have a, a great chance. But that's good for cards. And I'll ha- I have some very specific. I actually just sold one of the cards. I'll bring that up now so I can talk about that. Because um, this all kind of, this all kind of ties into check out my cards, anyways. Um, oh, weird. My sales history only shows 2016. I clicked on my sales history and I was like, why aren't there any cards there? Um, so Ishmael Smith, Ish Smith was traded. I actually bought his cards before he was traded. The funny thing about that, about the buying and selling NBA basketball cards is there's a delay. The guy could be going off and I'll talk about another guy in a little bit. Will Barton, who He's coming off the bench, but he's the, I mean, he is by far the best player on the Denver Nuggets and he's putting up incredible numbers. He's putting up like almost all-star level type numbers off the bench and, um, and nobody's buying his cards. And so that's awesome. And I kind of saw the same thing with Ish Smith. I, I saw Ish Smith play mainly because I play daily fantasy. And so you're, you're a kid, you know, someone like Ish Smith can score 22 fantasy points in a night off the bench. And all of a sudden he becomes a very valuable play, at least for a week or so. But over the course of watching Ishmith play, I was like, wow, this guy's actually really good. I don't know if the teams ignored him or but chances are he worked on his game. Same with Will Barton. I actually watch a lot of the NBA and they were doing a P I was watching one of the Denver Nuggets games from the Denver Nuggets feed and they were they showed Will Barton out there early and then he was in the in doing some training thing. Then he was doing something with the strength guy. I think he's a free agent. I mean a lot of these guys might be free agents and that might be there. I and mean, that's fine. Um if that's your mo- I would I'd be motivated too in in my free agent year. So um I think that's I think my point was you see this delay these guys go off. Ish Smith had an incredible week. And then he got buried on the bench. And so I actually bought his cards, sold a couple, and then he got buried on the bench. And I was like, uh-oh, I'm going to get stuck with these. But I was like, I'll hold on to him because I still think he's a good player. He'll just need to get minutes. Or I thought then maybe he would get traded. Well, it turns out he got traded really quick, a lot faster than I thought. And he probably got traded into one of the best situations outside of maybe going to the Knicks who need a point guard. Um, got traded to the Sixers, so he's going to get tons of minutes. He's going to be a, a a very high productive fantasy player. He's probably going to end up being a top ten point guard if he stays healthy. Again, this is if he stays healthy. Think he could maybe be a top ten fantasy point guard, um, which which would make his cards a lot more valuable than they did. I bought uh, uh Panini's rookies and stars. Um, I bought one for a dollar thirty five. And I just sold one for three fifty. I bought a couple other in that same range where I bought them for a dollar and I sold them for about three dollars. That's one of my strategies. I also bought. Um, I can't. I think the sales go back a little 
too far here. I've sold too many cards over the top of it. But I had, I bought like almost 10 Ish Smiths. Once I noticed, hey, Ish Smith's a good player, I went to check on my cards and I noticed he only had two autograph rookie cards that I think that were worth buying. And so I just bought, I just made everybody what I thought were pretty fair offers at the time on every one. And I, you know, most people were accepting it because they were probably like, I don't know who Ishmael Smith is. Um, so I bought quite a, I still have quite a few left. Don't have them all lift, listed on the site yet. Um, so that's one of my new strategies is instead of buying the four cent card and listening it for 10 cents and watching it sell over the course of the year. Now I'm taking calculated shots. I think within the season, I don't think I want to buy these guys necessarily in the off season and have to wait that window. I think you can shorten your time frame a little bit. And um, kind of buy some of these rookies that are having a good good season. I think if you like prospecting in baseball and you like buying and selling, or if you just like buying and selling cards and you're not into basketball, um, I don't know if I'd recommend just, oh, get into basketball prospecting. If you don't watch basketball, if you don't understand basketball, because there's lots of point guards. J.J. Barrera has been having an exceptional week, but I wouldn't go out and buy his rookie cards. Um, There's other guys. You got to know that, hey, this guy has never gotten a boost. And I kind of thought that about Ish Smith. I was like, Ish Smith is a guy, no, almost nobody, unless you saw him in college, unless you met him, probably nobody collected Ish Smith. You know, yeah, there's probably, like I said, the only people that have collected Ish Smith have some kind of, you know, six degrees of Kevin Bacon to Ish Smith. Now people are collecting Ish Smith because they think, oh, he might be good. He might be an all-star. He might be, you know, might be the next Isaiah Thomas. Um. So, and I, I don't, um, you know, I'm not... I don't prospect as much in baseball. My brother does. And he says that those, you know, the guy will hit two base hits in a double A game and his cards will go up. Or the guy will throw a one hit, a pitcher will throw a one hitter in a single A game where there was eight people at the game and his cards will go up. That doesn't happen in basketball. A guy could be lighting up the D League and nobody's going to know who he is. And the other advantage I like about basketball is it's probably a little safer, certainly than something like football and certainly like baseball. There's just so many players and so, and your careers are so long in baseball. It's hard to get your shot. Uh, Whereas in basketball, um, it's, it's similar. It's hard to get your shot, but once you have a contract, it's very hard to get cut in the NBA, and it's very hard to not get playing time um, as well. So my my point with the NBA is, I, I think if you want that, if you want to be like, quote, prospecting the NBA, I wouldn't really focus on the rookies. I wouldn't focus on D'Angelo Russell, wouldn't focus on um, any of those guys necessarily. I'd wait until they're further along or, or more of their cards have come out. I'd focus on that fourth, fifth, fifth year guy that wants to get a max deal. 
that want you know as as if you're familiar with the NBA, they have a new TV contract. Pretty soon, the max is going to be max. Right now, there's guys that have like mid like Aldridge just signed a deal, but he's his deal's going to look weak in once the new new deal rolls. There'll be like uh, the fifth guy on the bench will be making twenty million. I don't think it's that to that extreme in the NBA, but the salaries are going to go up a lot in the NBA, especially at the mid to lower end. You'll see guys. You'll be like Nick Young. Is making twelve million? I don't know about Nick Young, but uh, you'll see. You'll see plenty of that. Um, I'll talk a little bit, maybe at the end, about some other NBA, specifically NBA rookies. To where if I like if I pulled their card in a pack, or if I got an incredible deal on one, or somebody wanted to trade me one, or something like that, I'd be happy to hold it. Um, or guys that in a year or two, if maybe the story around them isn't as, as hyped up and I see that their game is still progressing, I might go in there and buy a card or two. Um, let's talk, let's check out my card settles with Beckett. thought there was another various buying strategies. I'm kind of talking out loud here, which doesn't make, uh, that's, I noticed um, this was a while ago. That's right. I had this written down. I remember talking about this with somebody. Um, Chris Olds got, I don't know if he got booted. He decided to leave, but I almost kind of feel bad for the guy because he'd often tweet out that he, uh, that, uh, he didn't quite, obviously you're not compensated, uh, generously to say the least to be a, uh, online or magazine editor or whatever. So, um, but the, the thing I think that you can learn from this, the, the thing that you can kind of, uh, maybe aspire, aspire not to put yourself in this situation. Cause I was thinking about it. I was like, okay, this guy just put in a, a, a large period of his life. Think about this on, on this earth. You're, yeah, you're here for, you know, I don't know what the last, we'll call it 75 years. But, okay, the first four years, five years of your life, you don't even remember. And let's call it the last five years, you probably just rather be dead anyways. So there's 10 years that are kind of off the books. And there's probably other periods of your life that are highs and lows. So he invested quite a bit of his time to contribute to a company that then when they move on, he is no longer compensated for his work, which is still being monetized. I can totally understand if you're in the, you know, there is kind of residual value to your work. That's why, you know, everybody aspires, at least in in a lot of, a lot of people aspire to own their own business, to do their own, you know, kind of be their own boss because the money all always flows to the top. And that's always where the advantage is. But something like content writing is even more important and I know I've said this on the show before many times, and I I think it might 
go over people's heads. But a lot of you out there, you might think, oh, I don't have to care about my content, um, you know, owning my own content and having control over my own content. Well, if you tweet and if you go on Facebook and you post on Facebook, if you do those two things, if you post on YouTube, those are all you're generating content. You're generating revenue for somebody else who in a lot of cases outside of maybe YouTube is not compensating you anything, not giving you anything, not giving you any money. So you just want to be mindful of that. Don't get yourself into a job to where you'll put in a significant amount of time and effort. And then when you walk away, you get absolutely nothing. Yet the company is still, uh, trust me, there's people right now that are probably searching for articles or searching for information or probably consuming information that Chris Old provided to Beckett. It's like almost, you know, obviously it, it becomes proprietary to Beckett. But unless a company is willing to pay you a lot of money, a, a lot of money to where you don't have to worry about money, that's when you know, Okay, now maybe I should go work for Google. Maybe I should go work for this other company. Maybe I should sell my company to this other company because now I'm going to be rich. But you don't do it for minimum wage. Okay, so if you're young out there, don't go, you know, there's all kinds of writing jobs and website jobs and people come write for me, write for my blog, write for this, you know, guest blog, whatever. I wouldn't do any of that. Control your own content. Control what you have. That way, when if you decide to move on or your parent company decides to move on, you don't have to worry about any of that. You'd be surprised. I haven't I I don't even know if I remember how to log in to post this podcast. It's been four months. If the password's not saved on my computer, I don't know if I'll be able to log in and post it. But I'm still making money. Still making money off my websites. Far, far and above what they call. I could, I could see if running a website costs hundreds and thousands of dollars a month. Yeah, if I wanted to start a, uh, a social media website, maybe. Yeah, maybe I need some funding. Maybe I need to bring on some investors to make it big. But a little card blog with some eBay links on it. Believe me, guys. You don't need anybody help. Panini. Um, we already talked. They're cramming products in towards the end. And like we said, I believe that's to kind of satisfy uh, financial obligations. Because um, it's clearly not for the good of the hobby, the industry, its shop owners, it, or its customers. So, you know, the only thing that makes sense is they need the money. Quick. Sticker, yeah, Panini, um, I, I noticed they've come out with some higher end. I think you put that in air quotes. Uh, college, NC, Immaculate College or something. They had like sticker autographs of like Taj Boyd and some of these other guys that they probably got. They probably got these guys to sign at the rookie premiere. And then these guys either weren't drafted, never played, got hurt or whatever. And so Panini's sitting on all these sticker autographs that they 
from what I've heard, here's if you if you take away anything from this podcast, here's a little tidbit that not a lot of people know. So Panini has those Taj Boyd autographs in inventory. And so they're sitting on the shelf somewhere at Panini. Now, there's an accountant at Panini that gets paid to keep track of the value of their inventory for reporting purposes, but more importantly, to show to leagues like the NFL, like Major League Baseball, like the NBA. Imagine if you're the NBA or you're the NFL. And you're sitting there stroking your you-know-what, making 20, what does Roger Goodell make, $20 million? He's probably playing Candy Crush and looking at you porn or whatever on his computer. Probably half the time. He ain't doing, the guy doesn't do anything. Please. And then when he does do something, he, he takes his best player to court. And then the guys that rape and beat women get two games and are invited back to the league, like with open arms. And the, the league's best player, most probably the most recognizable player, most successful player, they can't, they can't stop suing the guy or can't keep him out of court. But anyways... So imagine if you're sitting there, the NFL, and Panini comes in. Oh, we got to do these licensing deals with these card companies that that generate some money for us. Great. Well, let's see. Well, Panini's here. We've been doing business with them. Oh, Tops, we stopped doing business with them. And maybe part of the reason why is Panini goes to the NFL in these meetings and says, hey, guys, look at our balance sheet. That our accountant drew up for us. That accountant. Oh, look at this line that says inventory right here. Look we have. We have three million dollars worth of inventory. Or we have. Look how much inventory we have. And Tops comes to the table and says. Oh we, we actually don't have much inventory. We don't. We, you know. We only have. We only have what, what's available right now. Or we, we, you know, we have a lot of baseball inventory because we've been doing that for 50 years. But underneath the surface, do you think the NFL is going to go to Panini's headquarters and says, let me see this $3 million worth of inventory and see if it's, is it Joe Montana autographs or is it Taj Boyd autographs? Because there's a big difference there. And you better believe that Panini counts the Taj Boyd autograph at likely an elevated price than where it's at in the marketplace. Taj Boyd sticker, what's a Taj Boyd autograph on a sticker worth? Not much, but I guarantee you Panini values that actually at, at a full retail value and puts that on a balance sheet. And then goes and takes that balance sheet and use that as leverage to obtain exclusive contracts with the NBA, with the NCAA football, 
and with the NFL. And it's because they elevate their balance sheet on an inventory basis. And so that looks impressive to the NFL. And certainly if I was sitting there and all I cared about was, oh, I'm making $20 million. Oh, I'm going to do this later. Oh, my new secretary is coming in later. Oh, this balance sheet looks better than this balance sheet. Let's deal with Panini. Panini's got a global distribution and they've got $10 million. They say they've got $10 million worth of football product in stock already in inventory right now. What, who, who would you deal with? So that's what ends up happening. And certainly Panini compared to Tops is one thing, but certainly Panini compared to Leaf. Panini compared to Upper Deck. Imagine when those two come to the table or those companies come to the table. And that's might be why you've seen varying, varying decisions on the, the upper deck went to the NHL. NFL decided to go with Panini. MOB decides to go with Tops. So they probably all have their own decision-making processes but certainly Panini counting Taj Boyd sticker autographs at full value is one of those ways. And the way they get their money back from them is by putting them into $300 boxes or $1,000 boxes that people are foolish enough to buy. So, yes, if you listen to this show and you're buying their product, that has this stuff in it, you are just feeding the machine. Do not complain about Panini's lack of of creativity. Don't complain about the Taj Boyd's being in Immaculate College. Don't complain about some guy that's never played in, in the NFL being in these products. The way you complain about it actually is by don't buy it. Don't buy any of it. And people wonder why I get on here and I complain about it or I talk about it. It's because I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. And then I take the extra step and tell other people, don't buy it. You're just feeding Panini's machine. The more you buy this garbage, the more they're just going to keep rolling this over and over and over into other sports. And eventually the, the entire sports industry will kind of revolve around Panini putting out products that are certainly subpar, that are certainly not up to the standards that collectors have seen in the past and not too distant past either. That is about it. I'll give you some, I've been watching a lot of NBA, watching lots of NBA. Uh, Chris Tapps, Porzingis, I'll take him over Anthony Davis any day of the week. Once Chris Tapps gets in, in shape, I might somebody might be able to soundbite that in the future and I might sound like an idiot. But once Chris Tapps, Porzingis is in shape, the guy is really good. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Uh, I tend to be very 
I don't buy into the New York media because I'm not fed it on a daily basis. Um, I've been hearing about it. Um, I tell you just from what I've seen, uh, this guy's really good. Anthony Davis is a, uh, uh, I mean, a derogatory term. The guy goes to the locker room every other game. The only game he hasn't gone to the locker room was on national TV. Guy's kind of a, uh, kind of fake little bit, has a little bit of Robert Griffin probably in him. And as we've seen, that's not good. If you got a little bit of Robert, a little bit of RG three in you that not as much as RG three has, but he has, he has a little bit of RG three to where once he gets hurt, gets touched, it's, it's go to the locker room and call it a day kind of thing. Um, Will Barton, like I mentioned, uh, D'Angelo Russell, not starting. Um, I'm not exactly sure where his values are, um, in terms of his cards in, in, in relation to some of the other players, but, uh, certainly am excited to see his development. I think he could develop into a very high quality NBA player with a lot of, I could see his game being very uh, multi-dimensional. I could see him hitting the three. I could see him driving to the lane a little bit, not not as much. He's not as athletic, I think, as if you don't watch the Lakers play, you might think, oh, D'Angelo Russell's really athletic. Not really. Um, certainly, compare, I mean, he's athletic, but compared to like Russell Westbrook or something like that, um, not as much. But... Um, so I like I like Russell's game. I like Julius Randle needs could develop into like a poor man's Draymond Green. He could certainly uh, develop into Draymond Green. Actually, um, maybe not quite as good as Draymond. I don't think he's quite as naturally gifted as Draymond Green is. But uh, at certain aspects of kind of running the offense. But because Draymond Green is actually like a point guard. I don't know if you, I mean, everybody watches the Warriors and they're watching Curry or they're watching Clay Thompson or whatever. You know, the most impressive player to me um, on the, on the way outside of Curry, Curry's game has obviously uh, progressed tremendously. He's worked on his game a lot. I've watched him a lot. Remember, you know, he was a big fan. I mean, I've been big in NBA fantasy for a while, so I follow guys that put up stats and put up numbers. He's gotten really good. Um, but Draymond Green's a guy that really impresses me. Brings the ball up, the, can get a rebound and bring the ball up the court. You don't see that. You know, Blake Griffin does that. And um, a couple other players. Not many players like Draymond Green. Uh, and Julius Randle kind of reminds me of that. I think if Julius needs to work on his ball handling... Needs to work on his decision-making. Um, but if he does that, I think, uh, and maybe has some better talent around him, I think he could become an, an excellent player. Um, so there's my Laker Laker bias coming out. Carl um, Anthony Towns certainly looks, looks great. Looks like a number one pick. Um, the Wolves have not been pushing his minutes uh, to the max. So if you're thinking... Um, maybe this is where Carl Anthony Towns will be as a player. I think you could project him out a little higher 
Um, I think he can be a little bit more dynamic. I think he can be a little bit more selfish probably at some point in his career. He'll get a little more selfish. The offense will revolve around him a little bit more. I see him as um, he's going to be an excellent player. It's going to be like, I think Carl Anthony Towns is going to be more like a Derek Favors type player who's very, very good statistically. Um, but if his team doesn't garner any attention, he'll get about as much attention as Derek Favors does. I mean, he'll make, get, get a little bit more because he's more, He, I, I mean, I think they won the national championship. He was the number one pick. Um, but... You know, I, I, I see, I see him in favors kind of as parallel careers, uh, all, all other things being equal. Um, trying to think some of the other, Emmanuel Moutier got hurt. He's kind of a volume guy. Not sure what kind of player he'll evolve into. Um, but certainly somebody I've been monitoring. Um, the other kid. Uh, Miles Turner, I think his name is. He got hurt. I don't think he's back yet. He plays for the Pacers. That's another guy. If he's hampered by injuries or kind of doesn't do much this year, that's certainly a guy I might look towards. Um, maybe after I see a couple of summer league games, if he's back in the summer league and he's tearing it up, then that might be somebody. He's an impressive player. Um, in very short stints when he was healthy right in the beginning of the year, he was uh, an effective player on the basketball court. And so uh, that's who I saw in the summer league. And it kind of played out again, the pace, he got hurt, but at the same time, the Pacers weren't playing him more than 20 minutes a game. And and you can't, can't judge a guy until he gets 28 minutes a game, 30 minutes a game. Um, trying to think there's not a lot of other NBA guys. I'm really super high on, I guess right now, but I really do. Uh, I think if you pull a Porzingis card, you can sell it if you need the money. But I think, uh, again, all things being equal with health. Um, but if he can, I think Dirk Nowitzki, uh, obviously is a natural parallel to compare him to a little bit. They're a little bit, they're different players. Uh, Porzingis might end up being better. That's uh, uh, how highly I actually think of his game. I actually think he's going to be a very good player. But we'll see what happens. He needs to get in shape. Needs to be able to develop his conditioning, upper body strength, uh, lower body strength. Um, needs to learn how to stay out of foul trouble. All those kind of things. Uh, and eventually Carmelo needs to go because there'd be, you know, 10 extra shots a game as well. But that's about it. So, um, like I said, for the last four months since August, I think was my last show. And that coincides basically with the beginning of college football research season and college football season. Last four months, I've been. Uh, devoting uh, a lot of time to daily fantasy and playing daily fantasy college football. And at the same time, uh, I was playing baseball right at the tail end of baseball season. I mean, I played uh, daily fantasy quite uh, not seriously um, for the last, I've had a website for the last three years um, that had to do with daily fantasy because I saw daily fantasy as a very, um, up and this was three years ago, three four years ago. I saw Daily Fantasy kind of coming on, and I said, oh, I think that's going to be a good, 
um, niche to have a website in. It's certainly something I can contribute to because I know about sports. So it was a natural fit for me. And the companies, DraftKings and FanDuel, give lifetime affiliate I mean, lifetimes in air quotes, because if they go broke fighting these, um, uh, you know, attorney generals that are trying to make uh, fantasy sports illegal or, or, or some kind of gambling game or whatever it might be, um, they, might, they, they might not be around. They might not be able to afford to pay me anymore. They might not have any more customers. Uh, so, um, but in the three-year period, um, you, you, you know, certainly it's been very lucrative. And this year... It's gotten it, it. It went to a new level this year. There were, again, I think we all saw the advertisements of FanDuel and DraftKings on TV. It certainly brought in a tremendous. It worked. I, I don't know if it worked at, on an ROI basis for what they spent on all that advertisement, but um, it certainly brought in of ton of new players or people that were very interested in finding out information and if you do just a little bit of web research you'll realize there's only a handful of people in the entire world that talk very in depth about college football daily fantasy and i am probably in that top three or four people so having a top three or four website in a in a certain vertical of a growing industry, you can imagine I was seeing growth literally uh, every week. The traffic tends to come in on college football. You had games sometimes on Thursdays and Fridays. You had all your traffic kind of come in in a three-day period, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and it would just grow every week. And so, uh, the, you know, I had advertisers started contacting me. I was getting so much traffic. So the more and more time I had to kind of put into it. So I had to put a lot of time, a lot of research, a lot of, uh, you know, you don't get people coming to your website every day in daily fantasy. Um, if you're not giving out really high quality, researched information are all my picks are all my running backs all my number one ranked running backs quarterbacks situations work out perfectly no because college football is very unpredictable but um certainly the most predictable spots in college football is when a bad team plays a good team or usually when a good like if a good passing team plays a poor passing defense in college football, that almost uh, I think the correlation between a good game there is is extremely high, just like it is in the NFL. But in college football, it seems to be um, very predictable, even more so maybe than the NFL. So, um, you know, you got to do a little research. Got to do, you know, there's some, you know, it's there's certainly a lot less coverage, especially on injuries in college football, than there is. Um, in the NFL. So I've been doing a lot of that, a lot of uh, watching the games. I think that is uh, critical if you want to um, be successful at, at daily college fantasy football. You have to actually watch the games. You have to watch how teams run offenses. A lot of times I'll have a second quarterback or a second, second third, fourth running back. Um, or they'll have one wide receiver that really goes off for a couple games, but then he starts getting double teamed and then he can't catch a ball for, uh, you know, three weeks. So then where do the targets go? Um, there's a lot of, it's just a lot of, uh, fun. I hope it doesn't go away. 
That's my uh, hope. Uh, there's certainly a risk that even if daily fantasy is here to stay, that actually the college sport version of it uh, definitely goes away. There's a lot of pressure to eliminate the college uh, daily fantasy. So I probably will either sell that website at that point, or I'll maybe do something else with it um, because it's, it's not as lucrative to, Everybody thinks, hey, I'm going to do a fantasy sports website. I should do the NFL. You actually should probably do something like golf or tennis or NASCAR or one of the very niche or like college football. Um, College basketball is probably even better um, because basketball is probably even more uh, niche down than uh, college football is. Um, I would focus on something like that. And it's just the same thing with uh, sports cards. Instead of doing like – Oh, I'm going to do a sports card website where I'm going to cover all the news uh, that Panini and Tops and Upper Deck and Leaf put out. Well, you'd have to hire a guy. And there's websites that do this and then they go work first. Then they do work there and then they leave and go work for a competing website. So imagine if you like owned one of these websites, built up this guy, paid him all this money, and then he goes and works for somebody else. And, you know, I mean, I don't know why you don't sign a – non-compete or something like that. Uh, I would definitely do that if I was really serious about it. But um, in the sports card vertical, I would do like, okay, instead of doing all the news, just do a uh, tops Chrome news or just do tops Chrome rookies news or Bowman Chrome prospect news or whatever. Just find a vertical and do it really well. Like if you go to my daily fantasy site, I put up really, I only put up uh, college football and NBA. We put up two sports, the two sports that I watch and that I focus on uh, intently. I put just put up that. And that's enough. There's a lot of other sites that spread themselves really thin. They put up NFL, they put up MLB, NHL, they put up all this kind of half-assed stuff. And maybe it works for them, maybe it doesn't. But I tend to subscribe to the – I actually like the website concepts where you either go really high quality or you go really low quality. So one-page website, one day of work, or you go where you spend four months and you do college football research. So just some things to think of. I know everybody's out there looking for ways uh, to make money and stuff like that, and I don't I, – maybe I'm biased – um, but if you have a lot of patience, uh, and certainly you need a little bit of tech, uh, you know, technology, tech, I don't know the word I'm trying to say, but you kind of need, a, you either need to know how to outsource the building of websites or you need to actually teach yourself how to do some of it. And honestly, you can get on YouTube. I mean, that's where you're going to learn all this stuff. You don't need to go to junior college. You don't need to get a textbook. It's, you know, or even read a whole lot. It's actually probably better just to watch uh, it on video. Watch on cPanel how to install WordPress. You know, type in how to install WordPress using cPanel. How to register my domain. How to point my, uh, you know, how to point my domain uh, to the name server of my hosting account. How do I do this? How do I do this? And just Take it day by day, and eventually you'll teach yourself how to do it, and then, you be, then you'll become the owner of that content. I think if you take anything away from it, if you do websites, you want to be the owner of the content. 
And if you can find fools and suckers that'll that'll write for you for five dollars an article or whatever, or a, I've, I often pay people one cent a word, so you can get a thousand words out of somebody for ten bucks. And trust me, that, that I can get people to do this all day. And they have no idea how valuable that 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 content is. At one cent a word, it's probably worth, you know, maybe five dollars a word on in some cases. Um, so yeah, that's about, uh, that's about all I have today. So I've been working, I've been, uh, doing stuff. I mean, I, I, I don't know. People might think, uh, I try not to come across that. I, I have a bunch of money. I don't work. I don't have to do anything. I'm at the golf course every day. I was at the golf course yesterday. We'll say that it's been cold here in California and cold is, Actually, it's gotten down into like the 30s, which is it, which is cold. Period. I don't care if you're in Seattle or or Minnesota or Idaho or or California. 30 is cold, so it's gotten down deep. And but believe me, heated seats, heated seats are and heated steering wheel. It's fantastic. Believe me. Uh, so I've been working. Uh, been. Uh, but now I'm ready to take a break. Now I, I'm, I can't wait for college football to be over. Again, I hope that it's not the end of Daily Fantasy. Might be. Might be the end of Daily Fantasy. Uh, might, uh, you know, it might, you know, might get lose out in its, some of its bigger markets, like in New York and Illinois and maybe California at some point. And it might end up getting taken away. I don't know. So if that happens, I certainly will have more time to focus on uh, the Sports Card Show podcast. I might at some point, uh, no, I don't know. I, I definitely will come back uh, pretty soon. I, I think we've got an exciting year, new year, 2016. We got, you know, obviously new baseball sets that are coming out uh, very shortly. We've got Top Series 1, obviously kind of kicks it all off. You've got kind of the tail end of football, which sometimes can be, this is like the best sets because you get like, guys in their uniform i don't know if you get game shots of guys i don't know i've been following uh the cards uh that much but it'd be nice if you got some like game shots of some of these nfl rookies and uh, you get a lot of on card stuff i don't think you get game any game you stuff uh in year one i i could be wrong about that but uh so you got the tail end of football we got basketball kind of heats up but again with basketball I would, you know, again, I'm not going to turn away the chance of if somebody wants to sell me a Chris Stapps or a Julius, uh, Julius Randall or, or more specifically D'Angelo Russell. Uh, if somebody wants to sell me one of their cards cheap or I trade it or they give it to me or I pull one in a pack or whatever, I end up with one. I'm not going to complain. I'm going to be happy. But I'm not going to actively be out there buying pretty much any NBA rookie outside of maybe just like a Miles Turner. Maybe his car, maybe at the end of the year, his autograph rookie, a nice autograph rookie is 4 or $5. I don't mind taking a shot on a guy like that that has, you know, could be a you know an 18-point kind of upside guy. Um, I'll wait until their third, fourth, fifth year because, like I said, in the NBA, it's a lot, it's a lot like baseball. These these young kids in baseball, high school, get drafted. Oftentimes, they'll they'll have cards, prospect cards, pretty early. 
you know, outside of the the top guy that we all pay attention to, there's a lot of guys when they first come out, their cards are worth some money. Maybe they were a first-round pick, second-round pick. But it takes them two years, three years, four years, or they never get in the minors. And so their cards slowly kind of churn down. Um, basketball's very similar, except uh, it's probably a, high, a, a lower ceiling. Like a guy that's drafted in the in the late half of the first round of the NBA draft. Well, if he doesn't do anything or doesn't you know do anything like Matthew Dellavedova or something like that in the playoffs, nobody's going to care about him. His cards aren't going to be worth anything. Even guys picked at the the back half of the lottery um, aren't their cards aren't going to be worth much. So certainly there's some opportunity there, and uh, I like the NBA because there's a delay. You can be, you can watch Will Barton go off for like two, oh, like a month. He's had like a bad, one bad game, two bad games, uh, in a month, and this is coming off the bench on a team that's not very good, you know. And a lot of times that helped, you know. If Will Barton was on, uh, uh, you know, San Antonio or the Warriors or uh, you know a team like that or Miami, even he wouldn't be putting up the the stats he is. So you have to know when to get out too. And so I think that takes a fine knowledge of, um, you know, any of this, you know, anything to make money or whatever uh, takes some fine knowledge. Um, So knowing Will Barton's situation requires maybe watching some games, watching a little bit. But certainly if you put in a little bit of time, I kind of see it as anyway, I'm sitting here watching Will Barton go off. It's like, well, I can at least I'm already watching my fan. I probably got him in my my FanDuel lineup. So now it's like I take it the next step. I type in, check out my cards. I see on-card autographs for like a dollar. And I'm like, rookies. And I'm like, well, I can't lose. Here, the, guy, the guy's been going off for, for a month. Cards can't go down much much more than they already are. So, uh, I mean, the guy's, if he's not going to be a six-man, he could be an all-star if there's some injury. Not in the West. But, uh so if you're not familiar with Will Barton or Ish Smith or some of these guys, um, there's opportunity there. Like I said, I had uh, a, a lot of examples. The other example, um, long time ago, uh, our last podcast, I think I recommended buying Brandon Cook's autographs. And I actually might not sound like a really good uh, flip now, but I actually bought some of his cards on Check Out My Card, shipped them to myself. Then he caught a touchdown, if you remember, in I think week one of the preseason, not the regular season, the preseason. This is when maybe people, I think there are some people that predicted the Saints might go to the Super Bowl. Uh, and obviously that, that that didn't work out very well since they can't, uh, can't defend the pass. But uh, Cooks caught a touchdown. I bought a couple of his rookie autograph rookies. Uh, and I sold one for, I think, double what I paid. I think I bought it for nine. I sold it for like 22 bucks on eBay as contenders. I don't know what they sell for now. I'm sure it's not uh, anything much more than 20, uh, if at all. Might even be back down in that $10 range uh, where I bought it. So buying and selling uh, in short windows, I think, is kind of summarize my strategy Uh it, kind of give you an overarching maybe our overarching idea of the sh- of the show is basically uh in the sports card business i think looking for shorter term money is, is probably the best and most sustainable um 
way to make money right now. I hear guys, oh, I'm gonna buy a case and, and lock it up, and then uh, in four years I'm gonna I'm gonna sell it and triple my money. Yeah, that happens. It happens a lot. Honestly, it, it happens quite a bit, just based on supply and demand. But uh, it goes the other way too, quite a bit. And you certainly wouldn't want to be wrong uh, more times than you're right. And even if you were, you know, even if you picked three winners, if you're one loser is bad enough to wipe out the gains you made on the other stuff, uh, it's not a winning strategy. Whereas I found that taking little shots kind of in a two-month window, hey, I'm going to buy Brandon Cooks right now, uh, and if he catches a touchdown uh, or does something, I'm going to be able to sell it. Uh, And if he doesn't do anything, the cart's probably still going to be worth about what it is. I don't know if that sounds like a winning strategy, uh, but certainly sounds like... um, uh, a little bit less risk. I think it's a little bit less risk with still some upside. So I like um, I like that strategy. It's very similar to buying low end cards. Very similar to buying four cent cards uh, and five cent cards. You know the the floor on uh, a five cent card is about five cents. Um, and maybe you know with a decent autograph rookie, the floor might be for an NBA player might be around a dollar or two. And with an NFL caliber player like Brandon Cooks, it might be about eight, nine, ten dollars. So you can kind of, you know, see your floors and ceilings, kind of like, I mean, you analyze it kind of on a fantasy basis, whether it's daily or season long as well. Um, kind of analyze it that way. Say, hey, I can buy this card for nine. The downside is probably nine. So with fees and all the BS, I'd, you know, I'd lose three dollars, four dollars. Um, but my upside is twenty. My upside's $25, maybe 40 So I could quadruple my money um, with, you know, risking only maybe about 10 maybe 20% of it. So thinking about stuff like that, instead of going for the big home run hit or going for the, the number one picks and stuff like that, um, I kind of like those mid-tier guys. Those guys that certainly have some room for upside, but at the same time um, aren't a, a Chris Bryant or Carl Anthony Towns or an Andrew Wiggins who probably seen his price maybe pull back a little bit. I think people have, you know, even myself realized Wiggins is a score. I still think he's going to be an excellent player in the league. Um, I think the Timberwolves are going to develop into an excellent team, so I don't know if, if his individual stats will be um, overwhelmingly impressive. Um, but I certainly think he'll be uh, an, an excellent player. And I certainly will be looking to buy any of his cards um, if they, um, you know, I haven't looked at them, I haven't looked at the market, but certainly would be in the market for one if they um, have slid um, in favor of maybe collecting some other players. That's about it. Gone on an hour. That's too long. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, you know, if we go on extended breaks, uh, don't worry. Uh, it's, it's, I'm not, uh, I think people thought I was broke or thought I, uh, had to go back to work or, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, I'm, I'm being straight with, I'm being real with you guys. I watched college football. I wrote on my fantasy website. If you go to my fantasy website, uh, it has hundreds of articles written in the last four months. Literally, I think hundreds because there was a lot of, I mean, every week in college football, you're doing QB picks, running back. Picks. I mean, that's part of the strategy with it. Once you get a lot of traffic to a website, now you want to like segment it out. So in fantasy, it was like, great. You could do QB picks for FanDuel, QB picks for DraftKings, 
running back quick picks for Fandle. And this is all for the early slate. Then they got middle slate games and late slate and Thursday and Saturday and Friday only. Um, and so once you get, I mean, you, you don't want to be cheap. I see people do that right from the beginning. They start a website and they try to do that right in the beginning to generate page views. And it's not really a fit. You're actually hurting your user. But if your user loves your content, loves it to death, and they would actually pay me. I've had people pay me for it. Then you can start doing like little, little, uh, you know, more tricky things to, to, you know, off one user, I'm generating 18 page views instead of one user just viewing maybe two or three pages. Um, you get them to hit seven different pages. And so obviously times that by 10,000, 15, 14,000 people over the course of a day, uh, and on impressions on ads and all of a sudden, you know, you can make a, quite a bit of money, especially in, in one day. Um, and I, and that's what I kind of liked about the fantasy, uh, sports websites is, is you, you'd put in all this work and then boom, you'd make all your money kind of all in one afternoon almost. So pretty exciting, pretty fun stuff. That's what I've been doing. I've been, I've been moonlighting. I volunteer. I vol- I guarantee you. People, uh, there's people out there that say I'm a terrible person. Oh, I do all this bad stuff for the hobby. I'm such a, a mean guy. Guarantee you add up all the, all the volunteer hours and the time they give to other people because I lose money when I go and volunteer and I volunteer my time. I actually lose money because it takes away from a lot of times I've given up doing more important work, more profitable work. So I do a lot of things in my community. I impact lives. Literally, I impact people every day. And uh, so there's a lot of things I'm doing. So this podcast, while very important to me, very important to my life, I've been doing it for a while now, six, seven years, eight years now. Um, certainly I have other things going on in my life that I, uh, that I, I cherish and I value and, um, I get on here and I act like I'm all mad and I'm all upset and I hate these people and, and these people need to do harder. Uh, but I guarantee you when I hit the stop, stop button, I'm, I'm onto my next thing and I'm onto my next project. I'm on to, uh, stuff that I really enjoy, um, doing, which includes, a um, little bit of side work, a uh, little bit of volunteering, a little bit of do. I actually do a little work, but basically for minimum wage. So I can sit when I actually got a check. Uh, usually I don't even turn in my time card. I think there's, I, I know the people that, that at the, where I work really well. I'm actually friends with a lot of them. And they, I think they know I don't turn in my time card. And so somebody send, makes sure I get paid something because I think they, uh, they realize I wouldn't take the money, uh, but they do send it to me. So I, I feel blessed about that. I feel blessed that my family is uh, safe and doing well. So everything's going good for me. I think there was some, uh, I got some emails, some tweets, some DMs that things might not be going well for me. Maybe uh, things uh, uh, haven't been going well. That that couldn't be further from the truth. Just got back from a, a one day little overnight golf vacation. I'm go. I've been in. Ve- I was in Vegas in October. I'm going to Vegas next week. Uh, in Los Angeles next week. Uh, I'm going to Tahoe next month. I am absolutely uh, one of the most blessed people. 
in in the world, and um, and and I feel blessed that you uh, spent time listening to me today. I appreciate that. Uh, certainly, don't take it for granted. Uh, that's why we don't do shows when I don't want to. I don't want to put out garbage. I don't want to just put out a show because hey, I'm I'm live every Tuesday, guys. Come and listen. You know, don't watch uh, cool stuff on TV. Come listen to me. Uh, so I don't really do that. Um, so I, I try to put out quality. I don't know. This is this is probably not quality, but uh, I certainly appreciate you guys listening. We'll be back some other time, some other place. But I appreciate you all listening. Thanks for tuning in. But for now, we are out of here.